Welcome back. You're listening to another episode of The Todd Donald Show, a weekly podcast where artists and performers go to chat about nothing. Hosted by Canadian singer-songwriter Todd Donald. How's it going, everybody? I'm all right. In fact, I've been thinking recently about how close we're getting to the end of this very tragic and yet also very special year. Certainly an interesting year. I mean, nobody can deny that it's been interesting. I I don't know. Uh, but speaking from the now, I'd like to say I'm hopeful for next year. I think that's fair to say. I've been hearing things and words that rhyme with Saxonation, uh, if you will, and I'm kind of excited to see how that plays out. I'm going to make a giant leap now. By the way, you're listening to The Todd Donald Show. I'm Todd Donald. Last episode of November 2020, which has been a wonderful month creatively, project-wise, On the podcast, I've been able to share conversations with singer-songwriter Dana DeBolt. Check that out. Uh, Writer, director, and more Alex Kavlitsky, a Channel 101 legend, as well as a Channel 101 2020 legend, Jack Kelly, who co-stars with Lars Midtune and brought us Nipple-Sucking Aliens. I, I made a tribute for their show in exchange for the joy that they brought me watching it, and that's been wonderful. Now, speaking of tribute songs... This month, uh, yesterday, in fact, check it out. I put out a song called Rumspringa, named after the Channel 101 show by K.P. Parker. Please check it out, both the show and the song. It's my podcast, right? And I'm the producer, so I'm allowed to promote my seldom-released music. Why not? Holy shit, Ivy and Sarashu, incredibly talented and also incredibly kind. They are the warm and very human, I'd like to say, human and robot uh, musical combo who've not only created music together, uh, parentheses, the black box available on Bandcamp. Check the show notes for this and links to all that you can listen to and buy. But they've also collaborated with artists and other musicians to create both songs for uh, Cartoon Network's Steven Universe, as well as video games Ickenfell, Way to the Woods, and more songs, and of course, making the score for all of the above. I just had to talk with them about their music and lives. They agreed to, they were kind, and it was a very nice time. So put your sanitized hands together for Ivy and Sarashu. You both sleep well? You know, we have not been sleeping well. No. (laughs) I think it's the combination of there's been a heat wave where we live. Yeah. And also all the brain chaos from having a game release yeah recently we're just like really amped all the time and have trouble sleeping is it a mix obviously because obviously it's heavy duty with any project but is it is it a mix of like satisfaction and joy as well as just trying to i don't know revert back to next project mode or in between project mode i think so yeah it is a little bit of all of those things yeah but i think it's also like i kind of worked two jobs on the game so I feel like pulling double duty with like the feedback and reception to it yeah. as well. And we're also like going around and I mean trying to promote it a little bit here and there. Yeah. Or supporting other people who are streaming it. There's a little bit of uh, post game excitements or whatever. <laughs> yeah. I, I always come late to um, putting my support in, but I did just buy a band campus. Oh, awesome. Thank you. For, 
Apple not taking our money away. Yeah, right. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. And I had been listening to The Black Box before, and I'll get into like all kinds of things I'm fond of. Is it the case that I always imagine it is when, say, I can follow the, you're probably involved with people who are a part of this one thing that also have other creative projects outside of it. I imagine you're all fans of each other and what you do. Yeah, especially with the musicians that we worked with, because yeah. the Ignite Bell soundtrack was super collaborative. We got so many people and friends on it, so and we were like mutually fans of each other's work. So that's a really good feeling. Yeah, allow me to take this moment to apologize for calling it Eichenfell. It's Eichenfell, right? Actually, both are both are okay. <laughs> Not, canonically, both. Fair. It's like a tomato tomato thing. Yeah. (laughs) I think we've had this conversation a lot with our team, and basically they were like, Tyler's okay. Nobody in that universe knows how to say it either. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that seems to be. (laughs) I say it can tell. Seems to be official. I say it can tell because one of our rappers on the album, Samus, that's how she pronounces it in the song. Yeah. So I just started saying it like that. But the deaf says, I can tell. More often than. So, yeah. Awesome. You're coughing a bit. So is yeah, okay? I, I just ate some croissants that my partner made and I, I got some flakes at the back. I'm trying to drink coffee to push them down. Oh, no. I know. It's, it, it can be dangerous. It's a dangerous game, those croissants. Yeah. <laughs> Homemade croissants, though. That sounds amazing. Yeah, that sounds yeah. great. You're both in LA, right? We're near San Francisco. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. California. I, yeah. <laughs> I was just going to add, we've both lived outside of um, the States before. So living here, it's definitely weird that everyone accommodates like our time zone. So we appreciate it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I can't wait to ask you and to have you tell yet another person how you both got together for a much less interesting, <laughs> for a much less interesting story, uh, how you two and I got together right now. I only a few years ago discovered the wonderful world of Steven Universe, and with it, of course, its beautiful characters and stories, not the least of which is its beautiful and unique uh, songs and score compositions. And since doing my advanced detective work, which in all humility was just asking Google who scored Steven Universe, since doing that, I've been able to listen to your music, of course, uh, that's available on Bandcamp, and most recently, video games like It Can Fell. There's another one I know about. I'm forgetting. Oh, God damn it. There's deer in it. Can you- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, way, way to the woods. Okay, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, I don't have to tell you what you've done. But before we get into anything, I'm saying that for the listener's benefit. This is all part of me saying thank you for making the world better in only the way that exciting uh, musical compositions can, especially when it's working in tandem with another form of entertainment or media enhancing the overall experience right and today i'm so grateful that you're taking the time to chat with me it means more than you know thanks so much yeah thank you it's really it's really um touching to hear that our music is a part of projects that make everything better yeah that that means a lot to us yeah yeah i gather that you're both more than proud to have your names on these projects on these particular games and and what they represent is that fair to say definitely I remember when I was first thinking of pursuing music as a career, one big problem I had with it was I couldn't figure out how I'm going to contribute to society with it. I felt guilty. I thought, you know, maybe I'm being so indulgent and following my heart here. But I think getting to be a part of these really meaningful projects that push boundaries in, especially for 
LGBT representation, which both Steven Universe and Ickenfeld do really strongly, it is really fulfilling. And yeah. it's kind of a dream. Like I just am so grateful that I get to do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure. They do do the classic job of entertaining people and bringing people joy, you know, on a purely entertainment basis. But the fact that the voice carries a mess, me- such a positive message with it, in my opinion, is positive to some people in the world. Mm. It's a negative message, but they're from the 1920s. <laughs> <laughs> Haven't forgotten those old small town values. I'm fully behind it. I, and I, I adore the people that make the show Steven Universe. And I also come at this from a musical appreciation, being a musician myself, not like in the same level that I put you two at, but but I appreciate hearing what a musician hears. Let's talk about like the sound of the music and particularly great grammar. The term digital <laughs> fusion, can you talk about and also sort of explain to someone who might not have heard your music before what it is and tell them why I love it so much, basically. <laughs> sure. So digital fusion is a genre that we and our friends and community of music composers online or on Twitter specifically came up with. We've defined it as music that blends multiple genres along with computer music. So that would include video game music or keyboard demos or other genres like that. Mm -hmm. Oftentimes the music features solos or parts of the music that are programmed through computer software. And we wanted to come up with this genre label because um, we've been making music for so long without any genre to put our work under. For us as musicians, that's fine. For listeners, they tend to make up labels for us. And I was starting to feel a little unhappy with the kinds of names people were coming up with. And so I thought, I want to take charge here and try to come up with a name that suits not just us, but our friends. And I I felt that the name would probably be best if the people who actually make this music come up with it, because we know what our influences are. We know the really specific nuances of the techniques that we use and the way we think about things. So through a long discussion with people, we ended up with digital fusion. And we wanted to include many different mutations of that genre because it's not just jazz or just chiptunes or just a retro style, but it's all these things combined that makes it a unique and kind of a new thing that I feel um, a lot of people who grew up in this time have created. Mm-hmm. Time for a musical interlude. This song is an instrumental piece from their album, The Black Box, which, uh, as Wikipedia reminds me, was uh, suggestively brought to uh, Rebecca Sugar's attention by Steven Universe storyboard artist Jeff Liu back in the day, making it their calling card to become the score composers and more for that wonderful, wonderful show. I always wondered where that music came from. And I'll be honest, when I found out that there was more and stuff that existed outside of the show, I went ballistic and bought all of it. So you should too. Here's for me, uh, just a small sample of why I love them. It's called Diamond Dove from The Black Box, an album by Ivy and Sirashu.
let's talk a little bit about growing up with video games. First of all, are you both video gamers? I imagine you have to keep those fingers nippled for, for music making, of course. <laughs> We're both huge gamers. Yeah. We love gaming together. Yeah. Even when we started on Steven Universe, one of the things we kind of wanted to take in when we started on that is actually video game music, because that's what we grew up with and right. what we wanted to make to begin with. We were both game composers when we got hired for Steven Universe. So that was a weird departure. Like I never imagined music for animation at all, but they were looking for music that was inspired by video games. Right. It's a really funny circle where we got pulled into Steven Universe because we were game composers, but now we are getting work in video games because we're the Steven Universe composers. (laughs) (laughs) And we're also taking some of the experiences from composing on Steven Universe and applying them to games. So in Ekenfell, we created a, a wide variety of moods because the story requires a lot of different moods and it goes through a lot of different, you know, emotional developments. And we kind of learned from Steven Universe that you kind of need to score those moments in order for them to land really well. And yeah. so we kind of took that experience back to games, which is very interesting. Basically, if, when, when anyone asks us for career advice, we just don't have any. <laughs> how do you music for animation? Like, um, well, don't. <laughs> That's start, how you start get there. Games. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, in the most modest way possible, the thing is we're great. So just be great. <laughs> There's an interesting article I found on the Geekiary or the Geekiary um, from 2016. It spotlights all kinds of breakdowns and descriptions that you both went and did on Reddit, answering fan questions. And you even went and like character by character from SU and like identified the sound instrument palette for each. And I, I think that's beautiful. Like, you know, obviously if you were to break it down like that, you're not only telling a story with the music, but you have characters within the arrangement breakdown mm-hmm. to repeat myself. Was that something that you two sort of thought intentionally, let's do it this way? Or was there a rule book for <laughs> scoring that, that you got that from? I, I write for the it's school something- newspaper, by the way, that's, that's the kind of inf- <laughs> that's the kind of <laughs> question. It's something that we and the show creator, Rebecca Sugar, and Ian JQ, the supervising director at the time, it's something that all of us kind of came up with together. I can't really tell which person was responsible for it because it was just one of those like, you know, electric moments where a bunch of people are talking and then this idea just pops out of it. Um, but we decided that instead of writing theme songs for each character, we would give each character an instrumental palette. And in that way, it's the music becomes a lot more free and improvisatory. Yeah, it's more yeah. living. So, yeah. yeah, so the music for the characters, it's never static. It's always evolving as their moods shift. And it ended up being really sustainable to compose like that for seven years because I think if we had to be stuck with like this one theme melody and have to try to bend that melody into the many different moods and feelings that the characters go through in the show it would have been so hard so I think the palleted approach was really appropriate for the show and it also was something that we could then sustain for a long time yeah it's really helpful because you can write different style like different kind of moods like you can write a sad song or a happy song with the same instruments and you would e- easily record if you know the lore you would know what character you're even referring to just right. by hearing the piano for example you would know that pearl is involved 
also it really helped us when we started to get into like Steven Universe as fusions. And so we wanted to create these mo- these special moments for these fusions. So this, you know, this really helped us to create uh, these fusion dances where we use both instruments side by side um, and then create a new instrument that is kind of inspired or an uh, evolution of those two sounds. So that really helped us in storytelling as well. So it was really, uh, <laughs> it was ideal. <laughs> Just to clarify, by fusions, we mean that the characters, they fuse together and right. then create a right. new character. Yeah. We were able to, you know, mash their instruments together and then kind of evolve it into something that represents their relationships together. Yeah, yeah. Because the fusions are also a metaphor for all kinds of interpersonal relationships. Yeah, see, I like that. You know, subjectively, it could be people can make those uh, neat associations between the genre term as well as, you know, Steven Universe itself. (laughs) One of many things I love about the show. And forgive me for like, I'll be sort of toggling between aiming a question to you guys regarding video game or Steven Universe or I'm, I'm thinking about both the whole time. And if, if I get confusing, I'll work hard at helping clarify. <laughs> One of many great things that I love about Steven Universe is like while I grew up with shows like The Simpsons where in 30 years the characters never age and it's just sort of like <laughs> but like Steven Universe it's literally a story where as familial as each episode feels like oh you're back here we go again like you know you hear the intro and the story's wrapped up that episode you you see an evolution in the characters like they literally grow up in front of you Steven mm-hmm. Universe future is like at a completely different point in uh, Steven's life than when the show starts i'm gathering that like everyone got to creatively grow as they put that in there and that your music got to evolve with it that's not a question but i love that yeah (laughs) i found it funny that when i got hired for the show one of the things i imagine i got hired for was sort of like sweeping string melodies and beautiful piano and all these like really pretty sounds but because at the beginning of the show steven's powers hadn't evolved and he was a lot more underdeveloped as a magical being i didn't get to use it very often right so the evolution of the show musically has been interesting because there are periods of time where i feel like my skill set isn't as relevant and then periods of time where suddenly I feel like, oh, this is what I got hired for. I was meant to do this. I've been waiting years to do this. (laughs) Then, you know, you just kind of naturally drift in and out. And then when we got to Steven Universe Future, you know, I specialize in piano and piano is Pearl's instrument and Pearl was almost not in that season at all. Mm -hmm. So I hardly got to play and do and work with music that was really my strengths. So for Steven Universe Future, actually, Sarashu and our friend Jeff Ball, who's a composer and also played violin since the beginning of Steven Universe, actually ended up taking a lot of the composition. Yeah, it's really interesting that a show, like the the evolving nature of the show was something that we didn't know going in that it would be this way to some degree. I mean, we could see that there was a story, but the extent to which it grew and evolved, we weren't completely aware of it, but I think we were lucky enough to be able to handle all. <laughs> I honestly feel like Sarashi was the MVP here because <laughs> he had a lot of experience working in games before, whereas I was relatively a newcomer. 
And the crew of Steven Universe, they could throw any scenario or genre at us and we would just be able to handle it. Mm. Like really early on, like somewhere within the first season, they asked us to write wrestling music. <laughs> and I had no idea what that would sound like. And then Sasha was like, I happen to love wrestling yeah. and I happen to know how to write music for this. <laughs> Gotta work that. I was so amazed. Just, wow, we can handle anything. <laughs> yeah, that's got to be a good yeah. feeling. Yeah. To go back to video games for a moment, like one of the things that immediately drew, drew me into the sound was, uh, I mean, I, I love classical and jazz. So someone who's really amazing at playing piano and just being able to be in the moment, whether it's composed or an improvisational moment, it's it's wonderful. And the, you hear these layers that are referred to as digital fusion, of course. I grew up with, not to give away my age too much on the show, but with 8-bit and 16-bit video games, you know, instantly when you hear a keystroke just making one sound that you can identify with that era there's a sentimental <clears throat> hit in my in my feels in my heart i pretty much leapt off video games after n64 so you know i i think of little nemo dream master and this is coming back to you guys now are there instances where you're creating musical layers that play congruently with each other and just sort of move depending on the room you can feel was kind of our first experience where we really got to do that mm-hmm. it does make a big difference for like longer periods of time that there is an evolving nature to the music that definitely helps a lot i fell in love with video game music when i was young because I saw it as being essentially instrumental pop music Mm. where the songs are really catchy. The melodies are so strong. You go from A section to B section back to A and B and there's never like a boring development section. No offense to classical music. I also (laughs) love it, but I always had trouble sitting through those developmental sections. So game music to me really just felt like fun pop music but without words and that resonated with me more because at that age you know you're so young you can't relate to a lot of the lyrics that you're hearing and so I would often feel like okay musically this is the feeling the song gives me and then the lyrics ruin it so that's like (laughs) that's just how I felt as as a child but I think that the more the longer we work in games and animation the more I've been thinking about our role as musicians in that music. Because for me, game music was always the star of any game that I was playing. Mm -hmm. I'm starting to feel more that it really depends, you know? Sometimes you want music that really pops out and steals the show, but sometimes you want music that really complements the narrative. And that's scoring, which I find a different process, to be a different process than composition itself. What is my role in this narrative? How can I bring out this narrative? Is it time to be unnoticeable? Is it time to draw a lot of attention? So something that we did in Steven Universe, you know, coming from a game music lens, like we, of course, wanted to write strong, catchy melodies for everything. But at the same time, there's so much dialogue and talking Mm -hmm. and we don't want to compete with the characters on screen. So we have to dial back a little bit and try to make the music something that you can listen to very unobtrusively, Mm -hmm. like not Mm -hmm. getting in the way. So I think one of the big things that we took from this when moving over to Ickenfell, which is an RPG, but has a lot of, in my opinion, a lot of 
visual novel aspects to it where there's just so much story Mm -hmm. and the characters are doing a lot of talking and acting. I feel for myself, like music to me is like a language. So when I'm trying to read text and I hear a melody coming at me, it feels like someone talking at me while I'm trying to read and I get really distracted. Mm -hmm. Uh So we tried to treat the music of It Can Fell in the same way as Steven Universe where we were treating the text like speaking and so we dialed back on the music we thought about what scenes the song is complimenting and sometimes it's not very melody heavy Mm -hmm. and we did that intentionally to make sure that the player can still have a smooth experience like reading and sometimes sitting on a dialogue screen for 10 minutes and not getting Mm -hmm. too bored of the song yeah so that's something that we really thought about and it's a little scary to take that approach because when you think about what makes a good game soundtrack Like a lot of people think, oh, strong, catchy melodies and, you know, these bangers and, and, you know, (laughs) so doing like making music that intentionally is not that for a lot of the game. It was a little scary to do that, but also I felt like it was the right approach given what the players will be doing in this game. Yeah. And we had an interesting path when we were composing for Aikenfell where, We started out writing, you know, it's a game with dungeons and battles and bosses and all that stuff. So it's very classic in a lot of ways. And so we started out writing, you know, the first dungeons theme and a battle theme and stuff like that. And these are all very gamey. They have like catchy melodies. Hopefully they're not boring after an hour, but you know, they're very like, they were pretty forward. And then we started playtesting the game and seeing how our songs sound in the game. And that's kind of when we really realized when they're talking and there's so much dialogue, we needed to score these moments with what Ivy was saying, the more subdued versions and the ones that the tracks that just create a mood and aren't right. drawing all the attention to themselves. So we have kind of a double process and sort of two sides to this. We have like a classic game score and you could like kind of pick out all the dungeon songs and, and the battle songs and put them together and it would be kind of like a classic game soundtrack. But then you have all these mood themes that maybe feel a little bit more like score. It's interesting to me that um, you think of it as like classic dungeon and battle because I think that probably was a little bit of what we had creative tension on Mm. with each other. At the beginning, Sarashu was like, here's a dungeon theme. Mm -hmm. And I was looking at this game more like, it's not a dungeon. It's like, it's a dormitory where students live. And there's all (laughs) these like emotional things that happen there. And so I approached it like totally differently. Mm. So I think it was like interesting. And this was also our first time working on a game together. Because we had been working on independent projects before Steven Universe. Yeah. And so it was like a fun experience to sort of try to like get on the same page with how we approach game music. Mm -hmm. But to be fair... That's something that I hear a lot from people. Like whenever I put out a song or a demo before a game is out, people are like, that doesn't sound like that stereotypical, you know, <laughs> level. Like it sounds more like this other stereotype. And I'm just thinking, this is intentional. <laughs> like fine. I'm subverting this for a reason, you know? Yeah. yeah. 
sure enough, that dungeon theme that I mentioned that Sarashi wrote for the first level of the game actually ended up being the final dungeon. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, it, it's so, it ended up being such an opposite function of what the song was intended for. But it, 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 it worked out? You feel it, you feel it yeah. worked out? It worked out perfectly. Um, yeah. <laughs> but I think it's really funny because it's like, you see, it was so hostile <laughs> that it ended up being the final dungeon. <laughs> Yeah, right. that was maybe a little much, but there's definitely <laughs> that, that difference of like you're walking around, you're just solving puzzles, you have some combat um, versus like we want to tell this story. Yeah, it's mm. like the, the function of the music versus the emotional context of yeah. the music. Sometimes yeah. it's yeah. different. Yeah. Time for another musical interlude. And this one should be recognizable for Steven Universe heads. It's the music for when Amethyst and Pearl dance and fuse together. It is, in fact, called Amalgam Amethyst and Pearl's Fusion Dance. And this is from the season one score of Steven Universe, available on iTunes, Spotify, and all that. And it's just yet another delightful musical creation by Ivy and Sarashu. Check it out. have this chance to chat with you especially at this moment i'm I'm getting to interact with you both as people Mm -hmm. primarily and then thinking of the projects that i know about and have enjoyed are now in the background of of this Mm -hmm. interaction i have grown up loving video games and certain video games is music specifically you know Mm -hmm. i never know what the creative process is. I don't know how it works. So it's it's really neat to hear everything that you have to say about the thoughts and, and, and intentions behind how you go about it. And certainly, um, yeah. I found another word I could describe your music as, uh, which is magical. Uh, if you want to add magical digital fusion could be the next thing, thanks to me. <laughs> so, oh yeah, sorry. The thing that I wanted to say about that, only in the last like decade or two have we been able to access game scores do, do you know the game little nemo dream master Nintendo? yeah yeah i really love oh. that soundtrack thank oh. you both revealing age here <laughs> <laughs> that and gradius three the magic in those like 
if a CD store, remember those, had game scores available, I totally would. But they didn't have those. They had like, you know, the top 10 and a varied selection of all in genres of non-video game music is the point. But now we live in this world of, I will probably be listening to the Bandcamp copy of the Ickenfell soundtrack long before I find a way to to get the game. I feel <laughs> from what I've listened to already even without playing the game, I can listen to this and I find enjoyment. I can either listen to it while walking to work where it's right at the forefront or I listen to it while I'm writing. You know what I mean? Like it can be enjoyable without anything else being involved. Sorry, I couldn't wrap that up in a good way. Um, (laughs) I can relate a lot to just listening to soundtracks that I've never played games to. And I just love game music as a style of music. Yeah. Like Mm -hmm. I don't need to games to enjoy it um i was kind of saying earlier that it's like instrumental pop music to me yeah i still feel that way Mm -hmm. it's just really cool on its own without context yeah i kind of found that that opinion was a little different than the opinions of a lot of people and maybe you've had this experience too you know for for me video game music in itself was a beautiful legitimate genre of music that I just like listening to for the sake of listening to it where other people would see it as like oh bloopy bleepy or it needs to be in context to make sense and I'm like no the compositions are genius yeah 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 Yeah, it's been really great to see so many soundtracks get released nowadays too and we've been really lucky to work with materia collective to release it as well they helped us so much to get it out there and it's on every streaming platform i think it's it's really great you know i'm now thinking back to the 90s where do you remember when game soundtracks weren't available and we had to make midis (laughs) yeah because we couldn't even download mp3s yeah yeah like that's I guess I'm revealing my age too, but that, that was like the, that was the time I grew up in. Yeah. Well, have you ever dug around the, um, not the dark web, not even the deep web, just like the shallow, <laughs> there are websites dedicated, I'm sure with love to preserving and, and sharing video game music. You can look up a system and, uh, you know, Star Fox, yeah. and then you can download homemade, sorry, my cat's scratching at the door. I'll be right back. <laughs> <laughs> I'm terribly sorry about that. It's okay. We have two cats. We yeah. Really what beautiful. are their names? Their names are Zinc and Zero. Okay. Hmm. You probably can't hear her purring, but my cat's name is Ludacris. We call her Luda for Aww. short. Aww. I think I think our, one of our cats has only about ten more minutes of patience. <laughs> he, looks, he looks quite unhappy that we didn't go outside yet. Um, <laughs> you're you're right. Uh, there was a sweet era of beginning to be able to find video game music on the internet. It's true. Like yeah. it was, it was never available at your local record store mm-hmm. or your Sam Goody or whatever it is. If you loved it enough, you had to dig it out and find these wonderful websites and cut to now. You can go to bandcamp.com. You know the names, Ivy and Sarashu, and you can buy them. And that that's also a sales pitch. People, I will be linking uh, the soundtrack uh, in the episode notes, so you can feel free to go pay 10 or more. I recommend $100 uh, US. <laughs> wow. <laughs> 
And you know, when when I say that to people, when I put it out there that they have to pay a thousand dollars or something, they do. You're welcome. Uh, <laughs> uh, so, well, if we get a thousand dollar payment, we will. We yeah. know who to thank. <laughs> <laughs> Is it fair to say that you're at a point now where you're sought after composers? I think we can at least be selective of what projects we take on or that we want to take on. Um, it's not It's not that our phones are ringing all day or anything <laughs> like that, but, but we're definitely in a really nice position where we can choose projects that are really meaningful or yeah. that fit with our work habits or, you know, any, any number of things. And we've been really fortunate. Basically we yeah. don't have to take free projects anymore. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We're there at least. Yeah. And like way to the woods is an example of a project that the developer wanted to work with us as well. Right. But we also really wanted to work on this project just because it's so beautiful. And it's the kind of game I would really want to play. So yeah, that's such a good feeling. Yeah. Yeah. So special. Yeah. You know, for the most part, we we just get approached for our work. We find our own Mm. jobs. We're not we're not really aggressively looking, and we kind of let people come to us for our style, which I think is a really fortunate position to be in. It it wasn't easy to get into this position, right? But it's kind of ideal. I think that we work pretty hard to try and project a very clear picture of what kind of music we make, starting with Steven Universe all the way in the beginning and to this day, kind of. I think it goes even further back with the Black Box. That's true, yeah. um, For me personally, I I don't know if it's okay to get into like early career I love anything, yes. (laughs) (laughs) I think that um, Sarashu and I both took really opposite approaches to building our music careers. He was more, you were more the kind of composer who could do anything and everything and you would, you know, take whatever project you could and you built up a variety of skills from doing that. For me, I was very stubbornly like, I only want to write this kind of music that I feel strongly about. And I figured that out early on because basically the first video game project I worked on was such a mismatch in style. I was really miserable and I realized, you know, I I can't do this. And so I actually ended up um, teaching piano as my main job so I could just compose what I wanted on the side. Mm -hmm. And so we took these two really opposite approaches. So I started getting work from people who specifically wanted my style. And like eventually we kind of merged together and we ended up here and we helped each other. because Yeah. Um, I, I basically wouldn't have been able to pull off a lot of the different skills that we needed to work on Steven Universe. Yeah. At the same time, I feel like my focused artistic directions sort of like gave Sarashi a chance to like start putting out what kind of music he wanted to make mm-hmm. as right. well. So I think we helped each other a lot in that way. Yeah, I can really appreciate that. It doesn't seem like you take for granted the idea of not having to hope for a next job or hunt for work, especially when the goal is work that you're passionate about, like that you're fully behind. I think it's hard for anybody to be an example of the integrity in their constitution when paying your dues and sometimes involves Mm. the sacrifice of that to, to get to a place. And I see strength in the fact that you you know your values and you're you've been using them in your career. So thank thanks for being yeah. awesome again. You know. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I do think that like working on like a bunch of projects that are maybe less less of an exact fit, but adapting to them 
did help me a lot in being able to develop a very large variety of skills and also being able to pick up a new genre pretty easily. Like, oh, we want, you know, some like ska, 90s style ska. And I've never written that before, but... But he can learn. Yeah, I can learn he's, quickly. He's really versatile. And that, that's helped I'm, me a lot. I'm a little jealous, but at the same time, <laughs> I'm not because I, I'm happy with my strengths. So. Yeah. Yeah. And these strengths really complement each other really well. So it's been really nice working together this way. You're damn yeah, right about that. <laughs> I definitely think that like working in a loving partnership reveals so much about music and different ways of approaching music and you know at this point just because of our personal experience with each other like I just don't really feel like there's a true way to do anything mm. you know it just it depends so much on luck and what you want and there's no right or wrong way to make music or to enter the industry you know it's just whatever works for you right. I think. We of course got incredibly lucky to be asked to compose uh, for Steven Universe and even before that of course you gotta do what shows up for you and yeah, do whatever. the best you can sometimes it's just have to take this or that job where you have to get you know your, your side job or I guess technically when, when you do it that way the other job is your main job and music is your side yeah. job <laughs> well, you yeah, have some experience in doing things <laughs> As George Harrison once said, any road will take you there. And yeah. I mean, maybe he was quoting someone else. Uh, don't look that up. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, by the way, Steven Universe is also something where you can get the music and enjoy it. But I do highly re- recommend the show as well as a huge fan of it. <laughs> One thing that we wanted to do with Steven Universe is make the most, um, We call at the time we called it the most major seven soundtrack in Ooh. animation history and we didn't have the term digital fusion yet so we came up with digital fusion partly as a way to explain what we mean when we say the most major seven soundtrack mm-hmm. i think yeah that was one of the ideas for steven universe props to michael jackson and 70s 80s r&b for bringing my love of major sevens <laughs> into my my loins i guess i don't know i don't know how to say that um <laughs> Because I remember from the Beatles, I got from them augmented and diminished chords and Jeff Lennon, ELO and that. But then, you know, you get to um, Sean Lennon or fucking, pardon my French, (laughs) Michael Jackson and Stevie Wonder and those major sevens. Like maybe, maybe someone listening doesn't know what I'm trying to vibe with you on right now, but you hear one major seventh chord on any instrument and you feel that. Yes, absolutely. (laughs) I think that major seventh chords, like the actual, just the technical chord has become such a part of my musical vocabulary. I remember I was trying to play a Schubert piece. Mm-hmm. I saw at the end, oh, it's like a root position major chord. And my hands instinctively did a major seven to end the song, <laughs> which was so out of place for like this romantic piece of music. <laughs> but then I, that's when I realized like, whoa like when you say root position major chord to me i play a major seven like that's just my default that's also like the jazz side of digital fusion because like all these different genres come together like fusion oh yeah the jazz fusion is also like included into the digital fusion sort of umbrella so yeah the augmented chords and the complicated chords are definitely definitely a part of it For the next musical interlude spot, did you know that for the original game soundtrack for It Can Fell, 
which is available on Bandcamp. Links to it in the show notes. Uh, Keep in mind, which is just as affordable as a typical album of 7 to 12 songs. It has a total of 75 songs and score tracks that were made for this game. I mean, damn, that's a lot of tracks. I love it. This one is called Paint the Future, Ema's Theme. And it's by Ivy and Sarashu, along with a dynamite rapper named Samus. Enjoy. as pants of Santa's, but when I'm feeling mad, I grab my paints and grab my canvas, use my brush to find some answers, always teaching on this campus, or telling tales like mangoes that is beefing like I'm Angus. I focus on my paintbrush, don't need hangups, like a stalactite, my multicolored paintings act like magic, that's a fact of life, you have to understand this, cause I want us to start acting right, as much as I love pandas, y'all, the world is more than black and white. Let's paint the future, real bright, with the faith of Martin Luther, it feels right, let's paint the future, real bright, with the faith of Martin Luther, it feels right. Let's paint the future Real bright with the faith of Martin Luther It feels right Let's paint the future Real bright with the faith of Martin Luther It feels right A lot of people feeling scared to save us Like it's a lost cause But I'm steady brushing off my haters Something like I'm Bob Ross Go ahead, grab my hand, be patient And you might live to tell Everyone of future generations How we fought for it can fail Sometimes I get the blues, the news gets me depressed Then I think about the clues that we've amassed about the past Unlocking mysteries on mysteries that tell us simple facts I love listening to history, it acts like little maps Sometimes I'm feeling green with envy of a boy or girl or envy Still no other school that it can fail, I'd rather be attending Sometimes I am feeling yellow, scared to make a work of art I'm destined for a medal, must be brave to get a purple heart Let's paint the future, real bright with the faith of Martin Luther It feels right, let's paint the future, real bright with the faith of Martin Luther Feels right, let's paint the future. Real bright with the faith of Martin Luther. It feels right, let's paint the future. Real bright with the faith of Martin Luther. It feels right. A lot of people feeling scared to save us, like it's a lost cause. But I'm steady brushing off my haters, something like I'm Bob Ross. Go ahead, grab my hand, be patient, and you might live to tell. Everyone of future generations, how we fought for it can fail. Yeah, yeah, how we fought for it can fail. Yeah, yeah, how we fought for it can fail. Yeah, yeah, how we fought for it can fail. I hope you don't mind me saying this on my podcast, but I think it's on Twitter anyway. You two are married. Is that right? Like, congratulations. Am I five or six years too late? <laughs> Shit. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. You know, we, we didn't technically have a wedding. So, you know, we'll take, we'll take late. <laughs> we're a little late on that too. <laughs> Maybe you could think of like the run of Steven Universe as the marriage. <laughs> I think the reason we didn't, so we had a very like I, I don't want to say boring because I also feel like this is just the most us thing to do. We just sort of like rolled up to the courthouse with no appointment and said <laughs> we want to get married. Yeah. Um, Hello, Minister Elvis. <laughs> <laughs> there were a couple reasons for that, but 
one of the reasons we kind of thought, well, instead of planning a wedding, we would really like to plan a next album. And that's just <laughs> yeah. how we express love to each other. Yeah. Um, but yes, we were married. Um, we were not married when we started Steven Universe. And we were not even dating when we made The Black Box. Yeah. We had just met. And we actually met at GDC, which is the Game Developers conference where romance yeah. happens <laughs> <laughs> yeah go to gdc it's like it's where you never you know <laughs> where sparks no, I, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's usually so not the place for that no. but um i just happened to live in the bay area so i dropped by after work one day basically and we met and we got talking about video game music and I said to Surashu I've been really thinking about trying to combine piano with chiptune because that seems like a really interesting idea and I have no idea how we would make that work or mm -hmm. how I would make that work and then Srashu basically, you know, he was enthusiastic about it. And I, I guess he had had similar thoughts before that, too. But it was one of those conversations where I thought, you know, you go to GC, you talk to people, you say too much about your hopes and dreams, and then everyone forgets about it. But I was really surprised that a few days later, he actually messaged me and he said, hey, so I have this idea for how we can try the piano chip tune thing. And I was like, whoa, he remembered. <laughs> right. And kind of just spiraled and turned into a thing. Like yeah. Our first collaboration together was covering Maid Village from Link's Awakening. And it was a really intense collaboration process, but also very fun. Yeah. You know, working with somebody new is always fun because you're getting to know them, their process. And there's always this like tentative, like, oh, so how should we start this? And it was a really intense process because chiptune is so dominating, like it can just carry a song on its own, mm. but piano is the same. Yeah. <laughs> so like when, you know, I first sent him a, a draft of Made Village that was really like gentle and left him a lot of space to explore. And then he sent me back a draft that just completely filled up that space and left no room for me. Mm. And so I was a little indignant when I received it, like, wait, there's no room for me. Have you ever worked with anyone else before? <laughs> and then like, but then instead of like telling him, Hey, back off, I decided, you, you know what? Piano can do the same thing. And so I fired back mm -hmm. at the end of the collaboration. Like I wasn't used to working in that sort of like, you know, rival friends kind of <laughs> setting and I didn't really know what to think of it but Sarashi was like that was so fun let's make a whole album together and <laughs> then I was like okay and so that yeah happened. and I think that I actually come from a chiptune background but I've always done stuff like my chiptune it's quite modern it doesn't use just for channels or right. something like that or use a certain chip uh, emulation or anything like that so we've always been quite flexible with what the sound can be which also makes it a little bit unique so I've, at the time I was like really excited for that idea and I still am <laughs> yeah. um, but when Ivy proposed it I was like oh because I, I always thought like well chiptune and piano or chiptune and live instruments are such a challenge to get right just because of how precise chiptune is right. like getting any live 
player to be that precise with it. Um, it's so hard. It's really difficult. Even now, sometimes it's like, why do this to ourselves? <laughs> yeah. But you make it really? seem so easy. The music. Uh... That's good. We, we want it to sound easy. Yeah. It's it really sounds hard. natural. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. It's. But it, <laughs> But when you listen to it, it sounds so organic, I guess, to use. It sounds so synthetically organic. Uh, it sounds so um, electronically yeah. natural. I think that um, throughout the black box, you can kind of hear that we are still trying to find our footing with each other and like right. almost trying to show off to each other a little bit. Like, Yeah, mm-hmm. I think the black box just captures a lot of our excitement mm-hmm. and a lot of our budding friendship and yeah. excitement to be trying this thing together and then sure enough after the black box we ended up you know getting romantically involved with each other yeah and then we got married i i believe we got engaged in between the episodes was it called island adventure it was the one where yeah. sadie lars and steven get stuck on an island and then yeah. garnet's universe i think was the one after that yeah but we kind of like yeah. got engaged in between those <laughs> tale as old as time we've been, yeah so we've been married for five and a half years now oh beautiful yeah. see this is the kind of shit that as as a fan of those things like i love hearing these stories be told but it's so meta because you're telling me directly <laughs> oh it's beautiful <laughs> You know, I think that at the beginning of our relationship, I sort of asked myself, is there is there anything better than this? You know, like I'm making music with my partner. Like, can I dream of anything better? And the answer I came up with was no. And I felt very committed after coming to that realization. Mm-hmm. But I think that, you know, having worked together for so long and having gone through so many phases of our careers together... At this point, I strangely feel like music isn't even the main thing in a relationship. Like, yeah. I, I think if you removed music from a relationship, it's strong enough that I would just be like, oh, right. okay, you know, let's just play yeah. video games or whatever. I do think that originally when we started out, it was like music was the core Yeah, we, we bonded over the fact that both of us loved music so much. Like, I remember... Ironically, one of the first things we talked about in a romantic context was, um, you know, would you choose music over a partner? And we both said yes. And then we both said, oh, you're the one for me. <laughs> but then ironically, I would not I would not do that now. You know, yeah. like now we've gotten to this point where it's like, I wouldn't choose music over yeah. a relationship. And actually, like with some of the work that we've been doing um, for Steven Universe and the movie and games and you know, sometimes the stress becomes really overwhelming. And if you're trapped in the office, the mm. metaphorical office with your right. coworker, it, it can be really hard on the relationship. And like, we've learned to have moments where we step back and go, hey, I don't want to see my coworker right now. I yeah. just want to see my partner. I need my partner to help me with the stress or to comfort me. And yeah. So we kind of like learned how to draw boundaries with that kind of thing. So we have moments where we're hanging out and not really working together a lot or we have. Yeah. So it's, it's nice to also be able to introduce that into our lives too. And and it's also for a long time, we almost only worked together and everything. And now we're kind of at a point where we're also once again, trying to find our own voices a little bit, doing the projects on our own or with other people. 
yeah. uh, without feeling insecure about it or anything. So right. that's all nice. <laughs> Just the funny idea that like, all right, we're going to pause this argument about the composition for now. Okay. Hello, Todd. How are you? <laughs> <laughs> That kind of thing definitely happens. It does. Like sometimes I'll walk into his office and he'll be stressing over a song. And mm. there were times where I would make the wrong move where I thought, oh, he seems stressed. Like I'll show up as his partner, his romantic partner. And so I'll walk in and I'll be like, you know, you're doing a good job. The song sounds great. And he's kind of like, no, I don't want to hear that. I, I need like feedback. I need feedback on the song. Like I need to get this done. Oh, oops. Okay. Like, <laughs> leave the room. Come back in. Your song sucks. Do it over again. <laughs> Thanks, honey. We'll you go with take know. two. <laughs> <laughs> no, you have to like know which one. Um, right. And we've also just learned to communicate that. You know, just yeah. I have to say like, hey, can we just stop talking about work? I'm just really. I'm so done. <laughs> I'm, I'm so stressed out right now. Yeah. Or the opposite, where it's like, hey, like you know, I really need you to help me with this worky thing. Yeah. It's like an interesting thing we have to navigate being partners in multiple ways. Yeah. Right. And we also have to draw some boundaries of like, okay, we're not working today. Like we're going to go walk. Or we have work. to force ourselves yeah. to go on dates and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Can we just eat Already the ice cream? <laughs> yeah. Ivy, do you want to um, tell me privately, but right in front of Sarashu, what's your favorite thing about Sarashu? <laughs> wow. <laughs> you know, I, I remember early on, my favorite thing was that he takes initiative with things. Like, mm. I, I liked that he just wasn't really held back by insecurity or anything. He would just kind of like make a decision and then go for it. Like, even just reaching out to me, it was so easy. Like I didn't have to be the one that was always like trying to carry a conversation or something. And when I wanted to collaborate or work with him, like sometimes when you work with people, like, you know, the other person kind of gets hung up and it takes a while, but he was like very proactive and like enthusiastic and let's go, let's go, let's do this. And so we have a lot of momentum together. And mm -hmm. I know that early on, that was my favorite thing. At this point in our relationship, it's like I have a hard time singling out individual qualities <laughs> because he's just a whole person to me. Right. So it's like, I don't know, all, all of this, whatever <laughs> this is. Yeah. Yeah. I, I like this. All right. I think it's beautiful. Let me twist around this time. Sarashu, what's your least favorite thing? No, I'm kidding. But <laughs> <laughs> what's your favorite thing about Ivy? One thing that really helped me a lot is the thing that we talked about earlier is that Ivy is very principled. They've pushed me in a direction where, because I used to, you know, always work on projects, just kind of just to make money to some extent. I think that I've been able to explore what I like a lot more because of their influence. That extends even to music itself, like what we do in a song, what you can do in a song definitely expanded my boundaries and I think that was one of the things that really drew me to working with them even early on and again the the thing that they said is true for me as well like it's very hard for me now to decide on one aspect of a relationship right. that would be my favorite but definitely early on I remember the, the principled nature being a really big yeah, like an eye-opener, like, oh, yeah, this is a way that you can be, and it's kind of aspirational, and uh, really helped me to sort of grow as a person, and I thought that was really great. 
So. Mm. I'm gonna cry. That's so nice. <laughs> I think that's a beautiful way to put it. That the whole package, the whole being, is yeah. is what I'm in love with. You're saying. And it, it would almost be insulting to, to pick one favorite thing. So uh, I, I learned my lesson and I'm sorry for, yeah, you're absolutely right. I'd like to play the last song now. And again, if you're enjoying what you've been hearing, watch Steven Universe, play Ick and Foe, and certainly check out and contribute to the future music by Ivy and Sarashi by visiting their band camp their website, following them on social media, and all the things. I will, of course, as always, link you up. And we'll be back for the rest of my conversation with Ivy and Sarashu after this. This track is called Rose Thorns Battle with Eldra from Ickenfell, and it's awesome. sort of it doesn't have to be rushed i have a couple of questions that i like to ask every guest at the end now by the way i totally respect that you're in a position to um not have to do any free work and i'm just going to cross off this note i have to ask if you'd write the new todd donald show theme song (laughs) Uh, so the first question is 
what role does being creative need to play in your life for you to be happy and fulfilled? Such a big role for me. Even just making music by itself is not enough to Mm -hmm. keep me happy. Like I just have to emit creativity wherever (laughs) I go in order to be happy, I think. Yeah. When I was young, I really liked drawing and writing fan fiction and like Oh nice. I just I love creating. I think that this is kind of going back to what we liked about each other early on. But I think each other's creativity, it, it's like an explosive creativity. Like we don't just make music. We also drew together while we were Yeah, we drew uh, comics together. Yeah, we drew on. comics God. together. <laughs> <laughs> I want you guys to go really back in time and be my friends in childhood never. for sure. <laughs> yeah. They're very embarrassing, but they're very creative. Like we wanted to create all these things. Yeah. And even we now, just love vibing off each yeah, other. Ivy loves working on clothes, customizing clothes and sewing. I'm starting to try to learn. Yeah. I haven't gotten very far with that. I've got about as far as like, I've like been covering old tote bags and painting on them yeah and then i love creating ideas so i love writing game design he's designing a card game right now. yeah i'm designing a card game right now creativity is like we really desperately want to make things all the time (laughs) very important (laughs) that's wonderful i'm so enamored by you both as people that anything that you put out there i will probably be into the second last question what is the worst thing that someone could say to you <laughs> I think it's hard for me to hear when I've hurt somebody, mm-hmm. whether it's through interpersonal reactions or through a larger, you said this thing or you put out this work that is harmful in a systemic way. And I, mm-hmm. I think that for me would be the most heart-dropping thing you know and of course it's, it's unavoidable that you make mistakes and hurt people as you go but that's something that I try really really hard to work at and try to not do yeah we try to be very mindful I think that's a very good answer I don't think I could beat that it's not about beating it it's just how I feel yeah so you would say you agree with what they said mm. yeah yeah um, oh no, I shouldn't speak for you. <laughs> you have an idea for me. I can just speak from personal experience of things that I say that make him feel bad on accident. <laughs> <laughs> if you want me to? Sure. I don't have to say anything. You're. I'm curious. I think that Sarashu feels hurt when people don't appreciate his effort. Mm with something or you know or his process i guess that's true yeah well it's not gonna happen with me (laughs) (laughs) he puts a lot of thought into like the way he does things and the processes Mm. that he has and i think that if you are unappreciative of that i think that it's one of those things especially when put on the spot when somebody's like why did you do it this way usually i have a reason but I often have a hard time explaining it. So it's kind of like when I'm be- when it's kind of like a dismissive, like, ah, you probably didn't put any thought into this, so you should come back when you have. And it's like, I did put thought into <laughs> it. It's, it's like, ah. Uh, you can't avoid it. It yeah. happens. 
especially with the level of attention that our music gets. Right. Um, There's a price. Is, <laughs> yeah, I mean, in my opinion, like, I mean, background music composers, we don't get that much love, usually just mm. from other people who love score and yeah. soundtracks. Right. So it's been kind of shocking to me that so many people actually pay attention to our music at all. But at the same time, I'm not going to, you know, delude myself into thinking that like, <laughs> it's not the same level as like the show creator, or the voice actresses or anything. And that, that suits right. us just fine. We don't really want that kind of attention. Yeah. I guess my point is that the feedback that we've had to learn to take from people has definitely, mostly it's really nice and positive because people who pay attention to background score are generally nice people who <laughs> just are really enthusiastic about things but sometimes you see comments on things and you just can't help but laugh you know yeah, yeah. I, I don't usually feel hurt by people's comments about our music specifically yeah i think that if it's just some random person then that's just their opinion they can have fine. their opinion and, yeah you know i feel the same way about some things so it's really yeah <laughs> yeah even though you two and I are BFFs now, I still feel like <laughs> I still feel like I'm a part of the audience. That it's just a I was the best friend squad. Yeah. <laughs> what is the best thing that someone could say to you? <laughs> These are hard questions. Well, I, I guess the logical answer for me would be then the opposite that that my work helps somebody feel seen or understood, or empowered even, I think it means a lot to me to hear that. Mm. Like, just knowing that I have some kind of impact beyond like, hey, this is cool music, but like a deeper personal impact. Um, that means a lot to me. You know, I mentioned earlier that I was a piano teacher in the beginning. Um, I still am, actually. I still teach. And it became an unexpected passion of mine to help people around me try to be their happiest selves, mm. not just my students, but also my friends. And I just love seeing people grow into their elements with something. And I really like supporting people around me when I can. So even though I don't really need thanks or recognition for that kind of thing, it means a lot to me when someone says that to me that I had some kind of impact in their life. I think for me, it would be that I encouraged or sparked somebody's creativity, you know, that I said something or I made something that made somebody else want to make something cool or release something that they've been holding on to or try to create a new game or an, an element of their game that they wanted to add. That's kind of like my favorite. So, Those are great answers. <laughs> Um, so endearing, but I'm also, but also from a genuine place. I, I really appreciate that. And I'll try to say this without crying, but as a very privileged, straight, white, cis, male identifying person, I have nothing but love for anything in pop culture that promotes that everyone who is not me feels more welcome in the world. And um, thank you for being a beautifully creative team and being a part of things that that promote that and yeah so thank you so much for saying that and that definitely means a lot to me because i've had my own you know my own struggles not being a cis white dude basically yeah. <laughs> um 
at the same time, like I, I work with one, so <laughs> it's also definitely been revealing, I think, to work together because we have been able to observe differences in each other's situations or treatments by other people. Also, not just it's not just like bad things; it's good things too. Like we've been able to observe what strengths the other person has because of their identity. So I, I appreciate what you said, and it's yeah. definitely relevant in our work and our partnership together. Yeah, definitely. Excellent. Okay. Yeah, thank you so much. It's been nice. Well, I hope you enjoy. This is Sunday, right? Yeah, it's Sunday.、Um, Enjoy the rest of your Sunday. Ah, well, you too. You should also、yeah. have a good that good Sunday. <laughs> Zoom delay, <laughs> but also from a very vague and unprofessional standpoint,、uh, <laughs> the next period of work and creativity. I wish you all the best. Don't be strangers, and、um, thanks for the music, gang. <laughs> See. Thanks so much for Thank having、you. us. Thanks for Starring, produced, and edited by Todd Donald. The piano music in the rap is by J.P. Sunga, who you can find at jpsunga.com. The theme music is Machiel Kino by William Chernoff. Find him at chernoff.band. And I'm Milo Axelrod, Todd's favorite bar none human voice. And I'm not bragging; he wrote this. If you'd like to hear more of my voice, check out my podcast, Describing a Rock. In which I describe some rocks. You can find it wherever you listen to podcasts. Please support the Todd Donald Show by sharing it with anyone who might enjoy it. Follow and interact with at Todd Donald Show on Twitter and Instagram. And if you feel like going the extra mile on iTunes, please subscribe, rate, and review, preferably in its favor. Have a great day, friends. 